On the plus side, uh, the -hmm. divorce rates in America also hit a record low in 2019. So for every 1,000 marriages in the last year, only 14.9 ended in divorce. And again, this is 2019, so this is not the pandemic year. Um, Correct. So, you know, 14.9, that seems pretty darn good to me. Oh, absolutely. Especially for a a while we were talking about the divorce rate is 50%. It's 50%. I don't know if it was ever really 50%, but um, it's certainly a very uh, low number compared to the 50%, saying that it's only 14.9. I think, first of all, if you have a lower number of people getting married, then you're going to have a lower number of people getting divorced. Um, But it's ratio, right? So it's it's not necessarily like an aggregate, but it's a ratio. So yes, more less people are getting married, but the, mm-hmm. of the people getting married, fewer of them are getting divorced. This week, we received some new data from the U.S. Census Bureau which exposes the changing dynamics of marriage and relationships in America. Dr. Karen Sherman reviews this information, including dropping marriage rates and fewer divorces. So what does that mean? Dr. Karen Sherman explains. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find more information at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. Um, today, Karen, we're going to talk about the state of marriage according to the U.S. Census and some of the surveys that they do. Um, we got some new data, finally, um, mm-hmm. on what marriage looked like basically in 2019 and how it compares historically. So I figured like we could go through this data and just kind of discuss what we think about it. Um, okay. So the first data point is that marriage rates in the U.S. in 2019 hit an all-time low. Uh, So Mm -hmm. what that means is for every 1,000 unmarried adults in 2019, only 33 of them got married. Mm -hmm. And comparatively, uh, that number was 35 in 2010 and 86, which is like a huge drop uh, going back to 1970. Right. Um, thoughts? Well, I think that there are lots of reasons for it. I think that there are lots of people who now feel that they can be in a committed relationship, but not necessarily get married. Um, I think that because people are concerned about finances, 
Um, they put off actually, you know, making the commitment of marriage. I mean, it's not a drastic change from the 35 down to the 33. But when I read that number, I was like, wow, only 33 people out of every 1,000 get married? Mm -hmm. That really does seem very small. Um, But I I think that it is a combination of um, being concerned about making a commitment unless you feel very stable uh, financially, and that we no longer look uh, askance at people who are not legally married. Mm-hmm. So it's it's okay. Yeah. So can I offer one more tidbit? Of course. I, I think, yeah. So um, to your point, the the drop over the course of a decade, I don't think is that dramatic or big of a deal going from thirty five to thirty three. However, right, the eighty six mm-hmm. to thirty three. Yeah. That, that's pretty large. That's a big drop. Yeah. That's a big drop. <laughs> Um, so my, the thing that I would add is war. Um, Hmm. yes, we have long, the longest running war in American history, the Afghanistan war. Um, Mm -hmm. and we've had the Iraq war, but comparatively Mm -hmm. in terms of the number of citizens who enlist or are drafted, it's a pittance historically. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think about my parents. My dad was in the Vietnam War, um, mm-hmm. and they got married um, when he was home on leave uh, to make sure that, like, if anything happened, mm-hmm. you know, my mom was taken care of. And Interesting. S- and so I mm-hmm. just kind of think we are in this peacetime, <laughs> relatively mm-hmm. speaking, uh, where the the necessity of the institution of marriage isn't what uh, it has been historically, and that may also contribute at least a smidge um, to this number being lower than normal. And, and I think, in addition, I think that's valid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think absolutely that's that's a valid point. Yeah, in addition to all the stuff you said, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay. So now, um, on the plus side. Uh, the mm-hmm. divorce rates in America also hit a record low in 2019. So for every 1,000 marriages in the last year, only 14.9 ended in divorce. And again, this is 2019, so this is not the pandemic year. Um, Correct. So, you know, 14.9, that seems pretty darn good to me. Oh, absolutely. Especially for a a while we were talking about the divorce rate is 50%. It's 50%. I don't know if it was ever really 50%, but um, it's certainly a very uh, low number compared to the 50%, saying that it's only 14.9. I think, first of all, if you have a lower number of people getting married, then you're going to have a lower number of people getting divorced. Um, But it's ratio, right? So it's it's not necessarily like an aggregate, but it's a ratio. So yes, more less people are getting married, but f- the, mm-hmm. of the people getting married, fewer of them are getting divorced. Yes, yes. Well, but again, the people who are choosing to get married are probably thinking it out better, right? Or really well willing to make a commitment, or really feel that they have the um, factors that they need to make a marriage strong. And so it's, 
it's not, I don't mean this literally, but it's not so willy nilly that people are just getting married. They're, I believe there's much more thought. We know that people are getting married at a later age with more education. And so for all those factors, I think that um, there's going to be less divorce. Mm -hmm. And I think to the credit of the people who have been working towards helping people learn how to be married better, um, you know, people have also learned the kinds of things they need to do to be in a relationship in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to, to the point, and we're going to talk about it in a second about, um, the, the weddings costing more and all that stuff. Um, when you think of it that way too, I mean, just getting, it's almost like buying a home, like the, the, the barrier to entry has become higher mm-hmm. as the expectation of a wedding, um, has become more expensive. Now that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, people shouldn't spend a mortgage payment on a wedding, but I understand that's what people do. Um, the other thing about this, and th- I think this is interesting. So you mentioned the 50% number. So mm-hmm. that actually, uh, you know, according to the data at least was around 50% and it peaked the divorce, uh, rates peaked, uh, at the end of the 1970s. So like 78, 79. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the fact that the number of adults getting married was 86 and now it's down to 33. So more than mm-hmm. a, a 50% drop. Um, it's interesting that the divorce rate, uh, coincides with the, the marriage ratio as well. So I think what basically what I'm trying to say is I think what you're saying is like spot on. Uh, yeah. people are, <laughs> people are more discerning when they get married. They're more thoughtful. They're more mature. They're more educated. They're more financially stable. And as we know, all those factors can add stress onto the relationship. Um, and when you, when you remove those stress factors, you're just in a better, have, better situation. Absolutely. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and again, um, you know, if we go back to your point about that it was during wartime in the 1970s and more people were getting married for that reason um, because they wanted the security and they wanted to make sure that um, there was somebody to come home to and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's really an emotional reason that um, isn't necessarily the kinds of good thinking that people are doing now. And so, again, um, to your point a moment ago, that there are factors that we really think about now that help us decide, okay, yes, this is the person I really want to commit to. And so they, um, the people who do make that commitment um, are a smaller number, but they are committed. And because they are committed, there's going to be less divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking about the 1970s, but I will add that the 1950s are considered the golden age of marriage because we mm. were coming off of World War II um, and the, the rates were higher back in the, in the early 20th century as well. So, um, Again, just kind of like playing into my own personal theory <laughs> theories here. Well, I think there's validity to your personal yeah. theory. Um, okay, so uh, 
the median duration. So this is like, I think this is a really cool number. So the median duration of current marriages in the U S has increased almost a full year in the recent decade. So the average duration of a marriage now is 19 years. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, was 19 years in 2010 and it's almost 20 years. It's 19.8 in 2019. Um, is this just the divorce divorces are down or we're living longer or a combination of all of those things? What do you think? I have to tell you, I wasn't particularly impressed when I saw that number. It's like, okay, but to me, um, first of all, it's not technically even a full year and, um, <laughs> you know, it's eight, it's eight months. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it, I, I, I'm not really impressed by this statistic. Um, so is there an increase? Yes. I don't know how statistically significant it is. Um, might it be because, um, you know, all the things we've spoken about before that people really are thinking about it. They're very, you know, careful about what they do, et cetera, et cetera, which then might make them stay with their marriage longer. The other thing is, I'm not really impressed by the number of years in general. Mm. Um, you know, I remember years ago, I don't remember who the couple was, but they were getting divorced and they were getting divorced, I think, after 25 years. And I think I've actually made this comment once before. And one of the people on TV was commenting about the fact that the marriage was breaking up. And she said, well, you can't really call it an unsuccessful marriage because they were married for 25 years. And so for 25 years, they had a successful marriage. And that just struck me as so odd because the marriage was ending. So Mm -hmm. there was something that wasn't successful because it was not continuing. So if we're hearing that the median duration is 19 years or (laughs) 19.8, first of all, I don't see there's such a big difference. But to me, that still indicates that a lot of people are still not really happy in their marriages because after a relatively small amount of time, they're ending it. Mm -hmm. So I have two thoughts on this one to your point about the marriage ending and like, you know, they had, you know, however many good years, uh, Mm -hmm. this gets into like the, what we talk about a lot, which is a different subject of growing together as opposed to growing Mm -hmm. apart. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I, I, I know some people don't work together. Uh, you know, they may have rushed into the marriage. They didn't realize, you know, what they were getting into and all that stuff. And so it might be better and healthier for them to not, make it work. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why you would wait 20 years for that revelation, but, um, in terms of this data point, the 19 and the 19.8, it goes directly, directly into one of the phenomenons that we already know happens in a spike in marriage, the empty nest. Mm-hmm. Kids turn. Well, wait, wait. Yeah. 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 Hold yeah. it. I, I have to say this now cause I'll forget. When you say, why do they wait that long? I think it's because they've had kids and they're waiting for the kids to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, so so I, now with the emptiness. <laughs> right. And so, so I think this number is directly indicative of 
the empty nest divorce phenomenon where they wait until the Mm -hmm. kids get out of high school at minimum. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they wait until they move out, but at least through high school. And that would put you right at this number basically. Yes. So, um, you know, and I realize that kid, uh, you know, uh, families today wait longer to have children and all that stuff. So I would expect this duration number to continue to go up as the years go on, because we know that, not only are families waiting longer to get married, they're waiting longer to have kids and they're having fewer kids. So mm-hmm. um, I think all of this is going to play into it uh, in, in the coming years. So, um, okay. So then the next data point that I have for you is the pandemic. What about the pandemic? So a majority mm-hmm. of Americans, 58% say that the pandemic has made them appreciate their spouse more and half agree that their commitment to marriage has actually deepened. What do you think? I'm so happy to hear that because a lot of the information I'm reading is that the pandemic has been an unbelievable stress on marriages, uh, that there's been a lot more domestic abuse. And, you know, since you are um, in, if you're, if you're, being extremely careful, you know, just pretty much staying with each other um, or not having a lot of activities that can let you go out and about and everything, you could easily start to become very irritated or tired of your mate. Um, Somebody said to me the other day, you know, you wake up to the same face every morning and it just goes, you know, there's no distraction. Mm -hmm. So I'm thrilled to hear this statistic. Um, I think um, it may be that as we're hearing about all the sickness and all the death, that it has become more of a reality. I think that many of us don't really face the prospect that we're going to die. We're Mm -hmm. all going to die, but we don't really take it to heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that since it is so prominent that probably all of us know somebody who has COVID or who has died from COVID, that it has one of the silver linings of this situation is learning to be more present, to be more appreciative of what we have, to be kinder to each other. And I would suppose that that has extended to our uh, partners in marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're getting that statistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I never, okay. So I never believed, and I know this is going to sound lame, you know, as we're knock on wood, hopefully at the tail end of this pandemic, but I never mm-hmm. believed that couples would, uh, that there would be this huge spike in divorce mm-hmm. and separation and all that <clears throat> stuff. Because more than anything, we know that human beings require companionship. Mm -hmm. And yes, I understand that, you know, being stuck, quote unquote, stuck with somebody in quarantine for a really extended period of time, like you might rub, but it just doesn't make sense because this is the person you chose. Like this is the person you chose to spend the rest of your life with. So if you're going to be stuck with anybody, this isn't a total stranger or somebody at your office that you don't like who's like a friend of me, like this is the supposedly the love of your life. So I don't, 
I, I just never bought into the idea that this was going to just rip families apart. Um, I think there could be other factors that would play into it, like job losses and different things that mm-hmm. put added strain onto the relationship. But like the, the idea of being stuck together that I never mm-hmm. bought into that one. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the idea, so one of the reasons that I think this too, is one of the first things that you hear about when, in the early days of the pandemic was the incredible rise of adoptions of pets mm-hmm. because they wanted companionship. Well, all mm, these married yes. couples had it. They had yeah. it. They didn't need to go out and adopt a pet. Not that many didn't, but, um, and so I just feel like this is a, like a, to your point, like this is heartening for me to hear that, uh, the majority of married couples in America, uh, feel like it has made them appreciate their spouse more. And I think that that's part of it too, is they're looking out for each other's health and well being. Yes. And I know for me, uh, and, in my household, like I, particularly in the early days, like I would be, I would take the risk, um, and do some of the grocery shopping, uh, in those early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- and so there was like this level of appreciation for like, I'm granted, I would get home and I could have obviously spread it and whatever, but I, you know, we, I was, we were really diligent in the beginning, wiping down the groceries, stripping down naked, going to the shower before, you know, coming into contact with my wife, like the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And so there was that level of appreciation, like right from the get go. And maybe, maybe that's why I didn't buy into it. It's interesting that you say that because, um, Though we were careful, I don't know that we went to the extent that you did. And yet, um, and this may have something to do with the fact that a dear friend of ours has COVID right now. And so every day I'm getting a play-by-play description of what he's going through. Mm. Um, But generally, um, Rich does the food shopping. He's Mm. much better at looking for bargains and dealing (laughs) with coupons and all. Um, and so we, we are lucky. We have a supermarket very close by. And if I forget something, you know, he runs down and he gets it. And yet I have been trying to be very careful about making sure he only goes to the supermarket once a week. Or, um, the other day I was out of a vegetable and I said, you know what? I have some frozen vegetables. I don't want you running to the supermarket an additional time. There's no reason for it. We'll work around it. So, um, you know, to the same kind of way that you're thinking about being protective of each other, you know, we're being more protective of each other also just, you know, for at a slightly different timing of it. But again, realizing the vulnerability that we have and trying to appreciate each other, um, and taking care of each other. Right. So, and we're not even, by the way, we're not even talking about couples who one of one or both of them got sick and then you'd really turn towards each other. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So then this is something that we both alluded to earlier. I think you did it first, uh, which is the marriage divide that's growing. And so the marriage divide is this term that's being used, that basically talks about how uh, rich or more educated uh, couples are the ones getting married. So uh, Americans in the top third of the income bracket, 64% are in intact marriages, meaning they have only married once and are still in that first marriage, 
While in contrast, uh, uh, only 24% of Americans in the lower third income bracket are still in an intact first marriage. Um, I know this doesn't surprise you, but what are your thoughts? Well, (laughs) when I read this question, because I think our listeners know that I always get the questions first, part of my, my first reaction was, okay, they're in an intact marriage, but do we know how happy they are? Mm, Good point. I hate to to be a negative, a negative Nelly here, but they, they may be in an intact marriage, but we don't really know that they're happy. Um, and being in a top income bracket, there are resources that you have that would allow you to get at certain other resources that could um, take away from some of the unhappiness uh, or give you certain distractions uh, that would make it easier to stay to stay married, even including marital therapy. Mm. Um, so, you know, to the fact that they might be more educated and that they might make more money, et cetera, I think those factors play into it. But I, again, I, I don't know that I can really comment on this because this is a number that's merely looking at how much money they have and not looking at the quality of the marriage. Uh, what thoughts did you have? Because maybe I'll be able to bounce off of some no, of what you Yeah, no, thinking. I think that's a very great insight because you're right. It doesn't, the 64, being being married doesn't have anything to do with the quality of that marriage. Um, I would say that since we know that money is one of the uh, num- highest uh, stress uh, levers in a marriage, Mm-hmm. That the fact that they are in the top income bracket, they've wiped away one of the greatest yes. points of stress that a couple has. And when you have that removed, um, you it, parenting becomes easier because now you're not sure. arguing. Uh, you know, not not only is it not only is it that you uh, are able to um, accommodate you know, all the necessities that a child would need, but you also don't have to fight with a kid about some of their wants. Um, mm-hmm. when it, when it, when you don't have to worry about like breaking their heart, uh, because you can't, you know, pay for their dance lessons or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. So, and so I just kind of think that, you know, I don't like, I'm not a person that's driven or motivated by money or anything like that. But I recognize the way that the world operates. And then when you have it, it makes everything else that much easier. And I kind of feel like not only that, but we also know um, as like a ancillary benefit, couples who make more money also are able to take vacations and take time off. You just read my mind. And recharge the batteries. Yeah. And so when I think about like the people in the lower third, like they're in the lower third, but it doesn't mean that they're not working their ass off and likely mm-hmm. two to three jobs, maybe like four to six between the couple. So, mm-hmm. um, not only are they struggling on the day to day, but they aren't seeing each other and connecting as much together. So this is, I mean, I'm not saying I'm right with any of this stuff, but I'm just trying to like spitball some ideas as to why these numbers may bear out that the way that we're seeing them. I, I agree with what you were saying. Uh, as I, I don't know if you heard me comment. Yeah. I was thinking about that vacation 
point as well, um, which certainly, you know, helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's not the money per se that makes you happy. So we, again, we don't know if they're happy, but it does make life easier for sure. It's the, it's, it's the opportunities that are afforded to you, uh, right. Because you have that flexibility and, um, just like little things, you know, uh, being able to go out, go for a walk because you're both home at the same time, you know, as opposed to one person having to work a night shift or something, uh, because it's the second job that they have trying to make rent or whatever. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to all this new data? Well, the only thought I have is I would love to see what the stats look like 10 years from from now, but I don't know that you and I will still be doing this (laughs) in 10 years. Maybe you will, but I don't know about me. I'll, I'll keep an eye on it and I'll send you a message. (laughs) Okay. Good enough. Um, no, this was great. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to add. I'm looking forward to the data as well. And, um, I, I mean, we just completed the 2020 census, so, um, you know, it'll be coming. It'll be come trickling out. So that'll be exciting to watch. So, and if you're a podcast listener, we'll, we'll keep you, uh, updated right here. So stay tuned. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Karen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, And before you guys go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can find all this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And of course, you can find it on our website, hitchedmag.com. So that's going to do it for us this week. Until next time, take care, everybody.